This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 38. Last week, we talked about Peter's situation when Jesus had already was risen from the dead and uh, they went back to fishing, and they were out on the boat when Jesus approaches them. And at the very end of our sermon last week, Jesus begins to ask Peter a very serious question. And then Jesus says, on the third time Jesus appeared, and this is um, in uh, John chapter 21, but just hold off on Matthew 22. The third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was released from the, uh, raised from the dead. And when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And that's a big question. We don't know what these are. I doubt it, it, was, I doubt it was the mullet, although mullet is pretty good. If you've ever been to Wakulla Springs uh, boat ride, there was an awesome tour guide who t- talked about mullet. Uh, we loved going with him. He says, do you love me more than these? Was he talking about the disciples, his friends, his buddies, his family? And Peter responds, yes, Lord. He said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he said. And a second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. And he asked them a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he would ask him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us, Lord, to just grasp what you're trying to tell us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, uh, Someone asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love your, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. So the question you and I should begin to formulate in our minds, because you know at Mosaic Church we don't try to spoon feed you answers. But what is love? What is love? And definitions are maybe not super exciting to talk about in a sermon, but let me tell you, definitions are important. Because if you have the wrong definition, it can mess things up. Amen? Have you ever said, uh, you know, your, your spouse may say everything's good, and you're like, what does good mean? So you're trying to extrapolate a definition. And when Jesus says, you know, to love the Lord with all your God and do you love me, what is love? And if we don't get the word love right, uh, we might find ourselves in a situation. And it's necessary as believers to understand what love is. Because if we read the scripture, we need to know what it means. We just read it and, and Jesus says, listen, what is the greatest thing? is to love God 
And so if that's the greatest thing, then we should make it a point to know what it means. I know probably all of us have heard messages on love and all that. But again, it wouldn't be bad for us to revisit the definition of love. We need to know what love is because it's important. Jesus says later on in the next verse, everything hangs on this. So if love is the most important point, then it's important for us to know what it means. And if we're going to put all our eggs in this one basket called love, it would be really uh, behoove us to figure out that we're putting it in the right basket and not a wrong basket. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but uh, I think probably all of us, if not many of us, have put love in the wrong basket. If you get a false definition or wrong definition, it has devastating consequences. We talked about a few weeks ago, you know, what happens when you get the, f- the formula wrong. It can have devastating consequences. I heard, overheard my daughter talking about the day she was ex- excited that they no longer had to do baby formula. Started saving them a lot of money. But I don't know if you remember, there was a time, a long time ago, that they had gotten the baby formula wrong. There was a scare across our country. And even baby food, the ingredients were wrong. And if you have wrong ingredients in baby formula, or if you have wrong ingredients in baby food, it has dire consequences. Agree? And if we don't have the right definition of love, it has dire consequences. And so... As we've been progressing after the resurrection, we talk about Peter, and, and Jesus tells him to, to love God and, and to, to feed his, his sheep and all those things. We need to know, I believe, as, as followers of Jesus, what do you mean by love? And so we can get you a, a, a definition. You know, we could just post it up there, and I didn't do that. Um, but it's important that we do get it right. And, and even though if I give you the definition, it's not enough. Knowing the definition is not enough. It's kind of like knowing the prescription. Is that enough? If the doctor hands you the prescription, is that enough to get you better? No, right? And so all we're doing is defining. We're going to try to do our best to define. I can't remember the statistics any longer, uh, but it's pretty high uh, that people do not fill their prescription. I I can't remember what the number is, but it, it was shockingly high. So getting the prescription, the description, the definition is one thing. And living it out and following through is totally another. On a side note, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I can't remember. I don't even want to conjecture. But I do know this, that people do a horrible job following through their own prescription. It's in high, like 70s, 80%. You know, they feel better, they stop. Uh, They don't do it or they, they... for many reasons, they maybe divide the, uh, the prescription and, and take half of it, or they don't do it. Uh, but when it comes to a pet, it's like 90% of the people will follow through. It's, it's amazing. But, so it's important that we know what the definition is, but it, knowing the definition is not enough. Now, I will tell you, the, the more important the subject matter, the more important that we get the definition right. You know, there's all sorts of counterfeits out there. 
And they will tell you about love, but it's important that we get the right kind of love because it has dire consequences. And I will tell you that people don't really care that people are faking, you know, uh, 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 staples for your staple gun. It's not a biggie. But love, you get the wrong kind of love. It has dire consequences. And I believe the, the most important things are the ones that are highly um, counterfeited. You know, one time I was in Colombia and I got a counterfeit 20. I was not happy about it. Why? Because there's value to it. And I believe the devil concentrates and his strategy is to, to help us get confused. To not know what the definition is. And so I believe God is calling us to, to begin to put on... Our, our work our minds and, and our hearts and, and align ourselves with God's word. Now, we know that English is not the best language when uh, it's not the most definitive language. It, it, we have lots of words, but a lot of our words aren't super precise. Like the word love is not super precise. We could love donuts or love our spouse, but not super precise. Now, the Greeks, they didn't like vague words. They were pretty precise. And so when the word agape comes onto the scene, when Jesus will use this word agape, it's not new to those who are listening, but it is unique. It wasn't really used because in the Greek world at that time, it was a vague term, kind of like our American word. And so Greeks like precise words. And so the word agape was, had a general meaning. And then Jesus is going to take it, and the Christian church is going to take that word and bring more precise meaning to it. The other three Greek words you know, I'm sure, is eros and um, storge, storge and, uh, phile, sorry, I'm going to slow down, phileia. And so it means friendships or affection or desire. Those words were precise. But the word agape was kind of vague, and Jesus and the New Testament church, the Christian church, is going to bring some precision to it. It was new to, again, the, the precision of that word was new to that time. It was kind of a vague word, but now there's going to be precise definition. And so they took this unused words, the Christians, and made it uh, come to life and brought it out of retirement, if you will, and brought meaning to it. It's a new kind of love. It's a new, unmistakable kind of love seen in Christ and in Christians. This new love was unmistakable. It's not just love in general, as the old word, but it was clear. In John chapter 13, it says, uh, verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples. How you vaguely love one another? No, right? How you love one another. In other words, this new word, new word to this culture, had a vague meaning, but it will be unmistakable what the word means. It would be so clear, it will be so clear to even to unbelievers Unbelievers will now know what the word love is. How do we know that you and I are believers, Christians? 
Jesus says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. They're going to know we are Christians by our love. That's just the test. Now, if I were to pass out a theology exam, a general theology exam, you could probably do well. But that is not what Jesus is saying here. By this all men, people will know that you're my disciples if you have a grasp of theology of the word love or the concept of Christ and salvation. Now, it says this that you will, uh, they will know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. The, the unbelieving world is going to say, look how much they love each other. I am pleased to say that I've heard that about our church, that people are very caring and loving. We have a, a couple of attorneys in the audience and they deal with facts. So I got a question for us as believers. If we were put on trial for a crime, for being a Christian, and a practitioner of Christian love, would there be enough evidence to convict us? If we were put on trial for Christian love, and following Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict us? What would the answer be? It helps us to define what love is not. False definitions and false ideas about love have devastating consequences in life. So now we're going to just kind of break it apart and see what it is not. Now, a lot of times, and I have been guilty of this, Agape is not eros, the word for desire. Now, we know this word, and I know we have um, some young people here, so I want to be very sensitive to that. Um, it's usually denoted with eros and erotic, the, the, the whole concept there, so I'm just trying to be uh, very careful in what I say. But this is not um, only that. This word has a broader meaning Besides that, it's not just uh, um, sexual. It's, it's not just physical, but it, and sometimes it can be selfish in a psychological sense. The, the first one that we mentioned is, is obvious. That's the one that always everybody brings up. But sometimes the artist loves a painting, and that would be the desire. They just absolutely love it. And, and if you look at it carefully, the word eros has... The concept of desire. You're desiring something. It, it, it comes from appetite. I desire to eat a donut. I desire to be with my friend. I desire to be with that person. And, and again, these are not necessarily wrong in itself, but it, it's not agape love. Agape is different. So we're going to figure out what the word is, and we're not going to finish today, but we're going to, by knowing what it's not, Agape is not eros. Sometimes eros is something that we can fall under, like I fall under a spell. But agape is free. It's, it's, it's not like we fall into it. It's not a feeling that we have, but it's a choice. Agape is a choice. Agape is not storge. 
the next word. And for the same kind of similar reasons, affections is the word for storge's affection. Uh, it denotes um, a feeling of fondness. And we have feelings of fondness for one another. You know, when I see uh, your beautiful kids come in, I saw this morning uh, Tristan come in, and it just brought me a smile to my face. When I see your children, it just brings a smile to my face. You know, I see little Davey, you know, come, come to church and it gives me, brings a, a smile to my face. This is, this is storge, just a just feeling of affection. Or we see a cute baby in, in, the, in the store or at church. There's an emotional attachment. Agape is not that. It's higher than that. Agape is not a feeling or an emotional attachment. Although you might have these emotional attachments when you feel true agape. You know, God's calling us to love our neighbors. So it's more than just an affection. Storge has this sense of spontaneous feeling or emotional attachment to some people. Do you, do you have a smile? Do you, do you smile when you see everybody? I guarantee you when certain political people get on TV... You don't smile at everybody. Some of you might bring a grimace. You know what I'm talking about? So storge is just like this emotional feeling. So agape is higher than that. It's not just this emotional feeling of attachment. Agape is broader. Agape calls us to love our enemies, not just those who bring some sort of emotional positive feeling to us. That's why as believers, we need to be careful what we say on social media with people we don't disagree with or we, we disagree with. So we have to be careful because then we're just, I would say, reducing our love to storge, just an emotional response. And I believe seriously that we are shooting ourselves in the foot as believers by making these statements that are separating us from allowing us to to share the good news of Christ. So we need to be smart. Let's, let's begin to, to live in the world of agape love and not just storge and just have this emotional deep feeling. Agape is not what I would call, I like to use the word philea, which means friendship. Now agape does have something important uh, and uh, common with this word. Because there's the concept of freedom. You're going to be friends with someone and you're choosing to. I would say philea is specifically human. There's free choices versus just an instinct of emotional response or, uh, or uh, the first one. Where we just have this, this concept of, of desire. But what's the difference What's the difference between phileo love and agape love? Usually, the first one is, I like you because you like me. So we're going to have a friendship. We're going to get along. And most of our relationships are like that. But agape is a little bit higher, isn't it? It says to love who? Our, the people we like? But the scripture tells us to love our enemies. 
to love our enemies. That's agape love, not just people that we like, not people who are just like us. That's one of, I believe, one of the things that should denote a Christian church is that we have people who are not just like us. One of the biggest challenges in churches is, you know, there's racial divide, but I believe there's also economic divide. Agape love says, I love you whether you're like me or not, or you have money or not, or whether you're white or black or not. It's all those things. Agape is a higher form, and Jesus is, is bringing this into the forefront. So agape is not just friendship. It's higher than that. God's love is more than a feeling. We live in a world that we think feeling is everything. How do I feel towards you? How do I feel towards you? And we, we play this game a lot that we'll only uh, treat you well if you treat me well, if I like you and you like me. And we've reduced the Christian love to friendship. If we're just being kind to those who are kind to us, if we just hang out with people who are like us, we're, we're reducing this Christian love down to, agape, uh, to friendship love, phileo love. Agape is active and creative. We, we are responsible for our agape love or lack of it because it's a choice. Our choice to love one another, it's a choice that we make. As Christians, we need to choose to love people. It's a choice that we make. Just like worship this morning, everybody worshiped. You were free to worship this morning. Who you worshiped was up to you. You had a choice. Do I worship God this morning or do I worship my stomach uh, or lack of, you know, what's in my stomach? Or do I worship the, the wind? Basically, the wind was uh, Batting against my house, so I'm going to have a little pity party. Uh, were you just basically how you were feeling, the environment, or did we choose to worship God? Was, are we choosing to love God, not based on circumstances, but based on a choice to love him? Agape is a choice. And God commands us to love Jesus had many different feelings for many different people. He felt different about Peter, Mary, John, his mother. But I imagine he was, felt different about Judas and Pilate and the Pharisees. But guess what? He loved them all. He loved them all. Even the soldiers that uh, nailed him to the cross. He may not have felt warmth to towards them, but he did love them. And he prayed for them, didn't he? And he forgave them. Forgive them, Lord, for they don't know what they're doing. So God is calling us to love him and to love our neighbors. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. God is calling us to live this agape love, this love that uh, Christ exemplified for us. If you want to know what agape love is, look at Jesus. 
Just look at him. Look at his life. Look at his life. He, he had different feelings of friendships, but he loved everybody. And God is calling us. And so how will they know we are Christians? By our right political view? No. How, how will they know we are Christians? By the music? How will they know that we are Christians? Is it our, our theological stance? Is it de- determined, you know, when we believe Jesus will return? You think that's how people will know we're Christians? No, they'll know that we're Christians and how we love one another. Agape love. Agape love. You know, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. In my marriage of 31 years, if I based my marriage on the other three terms of love, we would not be here today. If it was just eros, life changes. It just changes. If it's just storge, life changes. There are times, and I'm being honest with all of you, there are times that we um, had all different types of phases in our relationship. There were times where there was, uh, and I know that my kids are here and I'm probably going to freak out, but there were times where there, we did not have desire for one for another for all sorts of reasons. We didn't have a lot of uh, story, a lot of affection. For those of you who are married, you probably know what I'm talking about. At least married for a long time. We have some married couples that only be married a couple of years and A lot of times we found ourselves like maybe one was feeling affection, but the other wasn't. And then there were times where we weren't even friends. I remember making the mistake of judging a married couple. We were at Bennigan's. That's how old the story is. And I remember my wife and I were sitting there, and we saw this other couple at the dining table, and they did not say a word to each other. And in our foolishness, we judged them. Like, I cannot believe, look at that married couple. They didn't even talk to each other the whole meal. Well, I'm here to confess to you that, that we have done that a few times. But I thank the Lord for his agape love that he's given us, that he's given, put in us, that tries to uh, override those emotions of selflessness, or just friendship that we didn't have at times. And he gave us the power through the Holy Spirit to have agape love one for another. And it sustained us. I could say the same thing for our uh, church relationship. At the end of the day, we want to love one another. In, in relationship, even with the church, it, sometimes you like being here. Sometimes you don't like being here. But at the end of the game is is love. That's the point we're getting to of walking in obedience. How are they going to know that we're love? One, uh, we love one another. How are they going to know we're believers? It's how we love one another. Oh, I'm, I, I don't like them anymore, so I'm not going to go to 
church anymore. That, that doesn't bring testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. People do that all the time. People who don't know the Lord, they leave relationships. They leave friendships. But agape it has a broader perspective, a bigger picture in mind. How will they know we are believers is how we love one another. And God's calling us to love him with all our hearts and our minds. So this morning I want us to just close our eyes for a second and just begin to ask the Lord to help us. Help us to love the Lord, with your, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then it says in verse 38, 9, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Not some vague principle, not some vague concept, but a person. A person. And I believe that this is where we're going to bring God the greatest, greatest uh, victory in our testimony, how we love one another and how we love our neighbors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. Even when we behave badly, you may not like what we do, but you love us. And Lord, help us to be followers of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to emulate his life. Help us to walk in agape love, not just selfish love or friendship love or desire love. Lord, I pray, God, that we would begin to walk in the realm that you've called us to. Lord, help us not to settle to walk in your fullness this morning. Help us to love you with agape love as you have loved us. Lord, we say thank you for the Holy Spirit that allows us to do that. It's not something we just kind of grit our teeth and clench our fists and tighten our belts. But Lord, that we could walk by the power of the Holy Spirit that we get to love you and we love our neighbors and even love our enemies. And, Lord, we know that brings the greatest joy and brings the greatest testimony. We say thank you, Father. We love you, Father. We just pray, God, that you would help us and bring to remembrance what you're teaching us this morning throughout the week. Throughout the week. Lord, help us to love our spouses with agape love. Help us to love our children with agape love. Help us to love our church with agape love. Help us to love our community with agape love. Help us to love our next-door neighbor with agape love. Help us to love our co-worker with agape love. Help us to love our bosses with agape love. Lord, we can do that through your, through your Holy Spirit. We say thank you, Father. Lord, you ask us, do we love you? Lord, I pray that we can say yes. Yes. Every eye closed, uh, head bowed. I'm just, just a quick raising of hand. You say, Pastor Mario, I need help with agape love. And I'm raising my hands first. So just raise your hand. You can put it down. Amen. Lord, we just ask for help. Help. Lord, help us to be that light in a world of darkness by how we love you and how we love one another. Lord, give us 
the opportunity to walk in obedience in agape love. We say thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.